All right, we are live, and we are live worldwide right now, Jason. I mean, we are on five or six different platforms at once. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Twitch, which my son had to tell me what Twitch was. I'm not, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, Periscope. So hopefully you guys are out there. Um, this is the first show, Arena Football with Andrew Haynes. I've been involved in arena football, indoor football for most of my adult life. Uh, met Jason, you know, back in the day, in those early days. So we've known each other for a while. Maybe five, um, 2004? Four, yeah. Yep, four and five. Yeah. Um, but we got, you know, on any platform, if you're on there, feel free to throw comments up, questions that you have for myself or for Jason. We'll try to get to some of those throughout the uh, the show. But, you know, let's, let's see what this... Uh, you know, happens with the show here. I kind of wanted to see the interest, see if there's people interested in um, checking out more information about arena football, people behind the scenes, people out in front like yourself. Um, but I thought I have a pretty cool guest today. Um, Who is he? You know, I, <laughs> where, I don't know if he's he? going to make it. I don't know what if he's going to make it. On? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for right now, I have you. So Okay. Well, good. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Jason. We got Jason Gibson. He's the head coach, director of football operations, and also co-owner, right? As long as I don't have to write checks. <laughs> that, is, that is the only way yeah. I want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm an owner when I don't have to write checks. And I that, tell people I'm an owner, they think, they got, they think I got money. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's where you got to be careful. You know, if it's a, a yeah. vendor, you're just the coach. If it's, yeah. you know... <laughs> Are you are you writing a check or are you giving a check? If you're giving a check, I'm the owner. The one thing that I kind of want to get into and learn from you is, I mean, you have been in one market for like almost your entire coaching career. And, yeah. you know, the team has been there and, and you know, there's there's been some shuffle with leagues and things like that. But, you know, there's been a constant in Columbus, Georgia. And, you know, I, you know, I was there. We talked about it a little bit before the show, myself and Brian Schwelling, Back yeah. when I was uh, president of the AIFL, you know, we came down and and started the first team down there uh, after the AF2 had left. Um, and, uh, you know, so we know the market. I mean, it's a, it's a great market. And, you know, I'd love to kind of hear from you kind of your journey. I know you played, you know, some, but I don't really know that complete journey. So if you can kind of tell us where you're from and a little bit of your playing and then into coaching background. Wow. The short version? I mean, we, we can go as late as you want, but it's getting, I'm old, so it's getting close to my bedtime. I'm old. We found VHS tapes on my highlight films, and my kids said, what is that? Okay, that's <laughs> old. Um, no, I you know, played in Maryland, played a group in, in Calvert County, Maryland, went to Calvert High School. Shout out to all my Calvert High School alum that, unfortunately, I never talked to. Um, <laughs> you know, played in Maryland, went to Fairmont State. I got really lucky. I just got really lucky and it taught me an early lesson in life about coaching and it's about who, you know, um, and, but I was really blessed to have a, a good coach at Fairmont a guy named Doug Sams and, 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 and he had had some CFL connections. That's really what it came down to. And he had come from the CFL into Fairmont state, which was a D two school. And, uh, went up there and, uh, my, think my freshman year, I just held extra points. I was actually the number two quarterback on the roster as a freshman. So I was liking my chances. I'm thinking, okay, the guy in front of me is a senior. This is okay. Um, I wasted a whole year of eligibility holding extra points. But I thought I was cool. <laughs> not going to lie. I was like, look at me. I'm a freshman playing. So 
Um, that was fun. But then my sophomore year, they brought in probably one of the best quarterbacks in the state of West Virginia, a kid named Jared Ferguson. And Jared was good. Jared was really good. And that kind of sealed my fate. I knew I'd never see the take another snap at quarterback, especially with him being younger than me. So I could run. I read defenses, and the coach said, "Why don't you move the receiver?" And it was either move the receiver and play, or you know, sit the bench. So or get maybe, out. Do what? I said, or get out. <laughs> yeah, or get out, or move a transfer. So you know, I, I made that. I made that jump to to receiver, and and um, I had some success. And then you know, it's a, I love telling the story of these kids. In my senior year, I decided to go to Myrtle Beach. My senior, no, my summer of my senior football season. And my coach was livid. He's, what are you doing going down there? And, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, you don't get it. You know, I'm going to go down. And I had read a bunch of books back then before all this core training and all the speed training and all these things that these kids have access to back then. I had an old school coach named, named, uh, uh, holy cow, Coach Moore, Frank Moore. And Frank had bragged that when he was playing football in the 70s, you know how coaches are. He ran, a water break. Yeah, he ran on the beach in Maryland. And, you know, we live on Chesapeake Bay. He said he ran in the sand. It made him faster. And so we didn't have all those speed tools back then. So I told my coach, I said, I'm going to go to Myrtle Beach and I'm going to run on the beach every morning and get my speed faster. He was livid. I mean, livid. But I did. That's what I did. I went to Myrtle Beach and I worked at a, at a restaurant as a busboy. And every morning, man, 6 a.m., I'd get out there and I'd run that. I'd run in that sand. I'd run all my drills and all my routes in sand. And it, it, it ain't gonna lie to you. It worked. It worked. And so I went back to Fairmont and had a really good senior year. And at the time, and many people don't remember this, but the CFL was in America. They had American teams. They had, uh, I think, the Baltimore Stallions or the Baltimore something. Yeah. I can't yeah. Remember. What yeah. Doing, but. They had a Baltimore team. They had a San Antonio team. They had a Birmingham team. And the San Antonio team, my coach was a CFL coach, and that was my end. You know, I went to his office, and I just said, hey, if you don't think I can play, tell me now so I can move on. I don't want to be that kid. Hey, I, you know, how kids are. And he said, no, you can play. And so he made a call, and and and, uh, and uh, who was it? San Antonio signed me. And I was so excited, man. I thought I had arrived. Had arrived. And then at some time in February, the CFL cancels all the American teams. And so all the players on the teams got dispersed amongst the current CFL teams. So I just went from a rookie on that San Antonio to a nobody that's on the back burner because they took all the CFL teams, took all the veterans first. And so I, I never, never stepped foot on the field, never stepped foot on the field. And so that was a little discouraging. And, and then uh, my roommate at the time was a, had been in the NFL, played for the BC Lions. This was in 1996, maybe, no, maybe 95. I don't remember. And he kept on the coach. Hey, I got this guy at Fairmont. You got to look at him. You got to look at him. Well, they wound up signing me and brought me out to Vancouver. And I went out to BC and I uh, was on the practice squad for maybe a month. It's great, man. It was great. It was so much fun. Uh, first class. And I thought I'd made it again. But then uh, <laughs> back then, don't laugh. You know, there wasn't there wasn't internet, so you couldn't you couldn't do your schoolwork online. I had literally carried all my books with me on the plane, and my professor allowed me to do my classwork. In, oh my god! And mail it back. So wow. I did that, but then it got to be about late November. You know, BC wasn't in the playoffs. I went to the ownership. I said, "Look, I, I need to graduate. I'm on I'm on my last semester of my scholarship, and I need to I need to graduate." And so. uh 
if I leave, are you going to sign me? Yes, we're going to sign you. So I left, went back to Fairmont to, to get my degree so I could walk in December. And then they got a new coach in January. They traded me to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan in March traded me to Hamilton. Hamilton put me on the neg list, never brought me to camp. I never stepped foot back from Canada. You almost made every roster at some yeah. point or every every, every roster without ever touching the field. And so uh, I went to a I, I went to a tryout. I love I went to a tryout in Chicago. About NFL con, but back then the NFL ran a whole bunch of tryouts. Those scout gone, camps. Scout camps, yeah. I went to one in I remember going to one in in uh, Maslin, Ohio, right next to Canton, which I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about. Andrew, there was three hundred and fifty dudes there. I ran two forties in a matter of eight hours. Wow. And then at the end of eight hours, all right, thank you guys. We'll call you. I'm like, holy cow. You know how those tryouts go. So I have so much respect for guys when they go to tryouts. And I vow that I will always make sure they get a legitimate look. Um, You know, but so then I went to a workout. This is weird. I went to a workout, another scout camp in Chicago. I had no money. I remember all I had enough money for, no lie, was to eat french fries. I walked. I'd never been to Chicago before. It was really cold. Three miles from to a to a Hardee's. I had about three bucks to my name. Um, because I spent it on the plane ticket. I mean, I had nothing. All I had for to eat that night was fries and some water from the hotel. And uh, took a taxi nice. to the tryout. I had no money for that. I get there. We're doing the bench, and I, and I you know I had a pretty good bench. And I remember this it was funny. I repped it like twenty times. I racked it, and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Look, if I don't run a four three, you're not gonna sign me anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't matter." He kind of laughed at me. He said, yeah, right. So this guy came to me and and shuffled me a business card. He was an agent, and he said, hey, I'm looking for players to play in Europe. And I went, I ain't doing that. You know, I was, I'm a CFL guy. I'm Mr. Everything. You know, at least I thought it was in my own mind. And so I, I blew it off. And I was like, I'm too good for that. And I, if I don't play in the CFL, I'm not playing. You can't pay me enough and all this crap. And, uh, about three years later, man, I'm selling insurance in West Virginia door to door. And I'd hit about rock bottom as far as jobs, tryouts. I mean, there was just no other avenue. I'm, I'm and I'm probably 20. I mean, I don't remember how old I was then, maybe 26. And I had to move home. I was broke, had no money. I called my dad. I'm like, I'm coming home. And um, I go back home and I'm working construction, man, swinging a hammer, working in Washington, D.C., with my dad on a construction site. And then I started unpacking my bags and I found that guy's business card for Europe. <laughs> Europe wasn't that bad then, huh? So I called him. This was on no lie. This was on a Thursday. I called him and uh, I was on a plane on the following Tuesday to Europe and went played in the GFL for two years. Wow. And it was crazy, man. Got back out. And when I got out of that, there was this new league called Arena Football 2. <laughs> no one had ever heard of it. We were like, what is this? Yeah. It was a tryout in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I met the, you know, the late Clayton Banner there. You know, because Ed Hodgkiss is a big time arena guy. Ed Hodgkiss, Brent Winters, those were all guys that coached me at Fairmont. Well, they had gotten into the arena league. And so they were holding a tryout. And I went to Greensboro, made the team and uh had a good season. Clayton wanted to get me back to Toronto. I signed with Toronto. I went to Toronto for 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 training camp. Didn't make it. Got cut. Came back to Greensboro. Played in Greensboro again. 
Then I went to Wilkes-Barre Scranton with Dean Coquinos and those guys. Came back to Greensboro. And that was it. Team folded. Ran out of money. Was, was Tupper your coach in Greensboro at all? No, he never. Well, yeah, the last four games. Because Gary oh. took over the job when I went to – when I signed with the CFL. Gotcha. So I had signed like maybe December. Gary got the job in January. And he begged me to play. That was a huge mistake. He told me if I, I should play to get in football shape and then go straight from arena to – that's the coach just trying to get a guy right there well yeah but he was right listen so i said no 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 i don't want to get hurt this is my shot this is my shot and blah 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 so i trained my butt off and uh hey I, there's brian man yeah. my guy brian why did you have to start that team in columbus no um <laughs> so i didn't i trained man you know a week before i went to camp i pulled my groin Brutal, brutal. So I go up to Toronto. We go to camp. They have 12 wide receivers, right? 12 rookies. We're all up there, me and some other guys and about 12 of us. And we got there on a Thursday. They made final cuts Sunday night. They kept two of us, this dude from Wyoming and me. I'm like, dude, I've arrived. I did it, you know, all the way back to, you know, I went all the way back to BC back in 96. And here we are in 2003. Four, 2003, almost nine years later, and I did it. So I'm like, I made it. I called home. I guess what? I made it. We show up for the meeting Monday morning, and in walks the eight veterans. I hadn't realized it was just rookie camp. <laughs> so they walk in eight veterans, and I'm doing the math. They only keep four wide receivers that are American, or at the yeah. time, maybe five. And I was not in the top five, and I knew it. I knew it. We go to we go to the preseason game. I scored the only touchdown. We were at the Sky Dome, which they're tearing down, by the way. And um, we're at the Sky Dome. I score the only touchdown. I look over at John Jenkins, who's the offensive coordinator. Everybody's high-fiving me. And I'm like, again, I'm thinking, I scored. I, I did it. In. I'm in. I look over the coordinator, and he's going like this. Yeah. I'm thinking, they're going to cut me tomorrow. And sure enough, they did. They cut me and sent me home. When you were – so going through like that, like, you know, what, what made you kind of just keep pushing? Because, I mean, it would have been real easy to just kind of – pack it in and you know what you know try out after tryout or you're getting signed traded around not yeah. getting on the like how do you mentally you know keep pushing i mean i, I just you know, i told somebody the other day man I, I love the grind that's the one thing i miss as, as, as an old turd i i miss the grind in the 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 discipline and the regiment of working out for a goal as far as what i could do but i put a lot of time in and uh, I had I'd had success at Fairmont, which I didn't, you know, at the time was like, okay, that's a good, good level of football, but it's not the best. And so then we went to went to when I went to BC, I had some success at the practice squad. I mean, I had success at practice. Like I could play with these guys. And so when I got let go in Vancouver, or when I never got back, that's what drove me those those years of that huge gap. There was a huge gap between '96 and 2003 or four or two or whatever it was. And um, I just knew I knew I could do it. And when I went to Europe, I had a lot of success and I had put in too much time training day in and day out and day in and day out to not get to where I wanted to get to. It really was never proving it to nobody else. I wasn't trying to prove my high school counselor wrong. I wasn't trying to impress a girl. You know, I wasn't trying to prove, you know, nobody wrong. I knew I could play. And when I never got a chance back in Vancouver, I think that was the driving force. And so, as odd as it sounds, 
when I played that season in arena with Clayton and Ben Bennett and all those guys um, uh, in Greensboro, when I went to Canada and I scored that touchdown, even I knew they were going to cut me. It was, it was weird. It was a, it was a, a it was a weight off my shoulders. It was some clo- good work. It was closure. And as, as, as much as I hate to say it, that season in Toronto, it was so business. You really felt the business of professional football. And it turned me off and I didn't enjoy playing anymore. So they cut me. I wasn't mad. I'd accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I knew I could do it and I could, I, I could, you know, live with myself. And then, but to be honest, when I went back and played arena football, I just, I don't think I've ever had as much fun in my life playing football as I did playing arena football. It's such a great game. It's probably, probably some of the best times playing that I've ever had. And so uh, it was good closure for me. And um, that's what, that was what the driving force probably. So how did you transition from, you know, being a player to that first coaching opportunity? Was that first coaching opportunity in, was it in Raleigh or was there something before that? No, I was the offense coordinator in Greensboro. You know, okay. everybody knows about arena football. You know, Jerry, uh, Stephen Jerry, good coach, was came into Greensboro after, after um, Stephen came into Greensboro after Gary left. We had a good team and we had some crazy players. I mean, we had Titus, you know, we had, I'd say Titus, we had Thaddeus Bullard. Thaddeus was a good friend of mine. People know who Thaddeus is. That's Titus O'Neill. He's WWE superstar. He lives right down here in Tampa. Yeah. So tight. You know, Titus played with us. He was a defensive end. Um, we had Bobby Scipio. Bobby Scipio is probably one of the best athletes most people have never heard of. One he of the greatest arena football. Too, right? uh, briefly. What? Okay. I was gonna say I thought he played down down in Florida Bobby somewhere. Was, Bobby played at Western Kentucky. He's from Kissimmee. Okay. And uh, Bobby played at Western Kentucky and came to Greensboro, and they weren't playing him. And I remember him running into Stevens' office one day, or somebody says, "If you don't play me, I'm leaving." So they had to play him. He gets in the game, has like two picks, five touchdowns. That was the last time I ever saw the field, and he was just <laughs> that good. So you know, those who can't play, coach, right? And so Stephen came to me. So he, I, and he probably did me a favor, but at the time he was trying not to hurt my feelings. And hey, why don't you be the offensive coordinator? which was really just a title. You know, he still called all the plays. But it, that was my first step, you know, into arena coaching just because I, you know, I could, I wasn't better than the guys that were on the field. They were just – time had gone by, and they were really good, really good football players. And uh, and then the Raleigh Rebels thing came up. That was insane. Greg. <laughs> Greg Ellis, my man Greg. G-Dog. Oh, Greg was great. We had those red, red jumpsuits and – the Raleigh Rebels, you know, Greg was gung ho, and he poured. I like his, heart his southern through. accent, man. He's just a he's just a nice guy. I, you know what? To this day, I still get Facebook messages from that guy. Congratulations, good luck. You know, just that's what's great about arena football is the people he's you a meet. Good dude. He was a great dude. But that was a, that was a very difficult. No home games. Yeah. We practiced. This was my schedule. So at the time, I taught at Eastern Guilford High School. And I was a Spanish teacher, and I was a track coach, and I was the football coach, and I ran the weight room. So I would get up in the morning and teach all day, after school weight room. Then I would coach track, and then I would leave at 7.30-ish maybe and drive an hour and a half to Wake Forest where we practiced in Riley. Because if people don't know this, that's where the original Wake Forest was. So we would drive to Wake Forest City. We'd practice from 9 to 11 at night. That's the only time we could get to that ice hockey facility. And then I'd get home at 1 o'clock in the morning. And then get up and put it all again, man. It's for the big bucks, though, man. 
I don't know. That big contract you had. I don't think I got. Did I get? I have to ask Greg. (laughs) He took care of me now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Greg, you know, Greg poured his heart and soul and his money into that thing. I remember we had a trailer out back where we kept all the equipment. He had had an 18 wheeler company, I think. I think Greg was in transportation. Yep. Yeah, and he and we kept all our equipment back. It was actually pretty smart. It's a good good idea. So. Yeah, well, I you got a fan here too, so. Ah, oh, that's a hot chick. You, you might know her, huh? <laughs> oh my god, but that's a great story. I'll tell you, get into man. I tell you, man, I met her at at, at a Chattahoochee Valley Vipers game on a blind date with me and her mom. Or not me and her mom. Her mom set us up on a blind <laughs> oh, date. Oh, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> so now that's a story, right? <laughs> No, her mom set us up on a blind date, man. That's the first day I saw her, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was done. I was done. I remember you know how like when you meet a girl and you get their number, you have to like yeah. wait like 48 hours or something. Right. Yeah. What what is that? I don't know. I've I've been married since I was 18, so I don't know. Like what is it? Like yeah, you know, hours? you gotta play a little hard to get. You gotta wait, I think, 48 hours or three days or some kind of unspoken man code rule. So how long did you wait? I didn't. As soon as the game was over with, I called her <laughs> as soon as she left the arena. I said, I'm not waiting 48 hours. <laughs> Look, Brian says, see you owing big. <laughs> hey, man, I ain't going to lie to you. That meeting in Johnstown, was it the Nighthawks? Riverhawks. Riverhawks. Sorry, Brian. Johnstown, I met Brian up there, and I thought, this guy's pretty cool. He, you guys put a team in Columbus, and I meet the girl of my dreams, and – yeah, Sarah said about 10 minutes. So it was cool. I called her that night and I said, hey, can you we go out tonight? I'm not waiting. <laughs> nice. So that's that's good. So that's Chattanooga you know, Valley story. Vipers. Yeah. Yep. Thanks to you and Brian. <laughs> no, but that's uh, cool, that's though. Funny. I mean, just like if you look back, I mean, I just look back at all the people that I've come in contact with and – all the people that, you know, have be, become friends and, you know, you follow them and um, the relationships that you see, you know, being built. So, um, you know, it's definitely a cool thing to see. You know, it was definitely okay. that first year, I think, for, for you with the Rebels. I mean, you, the deck was stacked against you and you did you did really well. And that was that was hard. It was fun, though. But, you know, I was green behind the ears at the time. I mean, we all, I was man, better, I was I was better than the players that I had. I mean, I just got done playing, literally had just gotten back from Canada. And that was my first off season. Um, and I told, I remember telling players, I'm like, if I'm better than you, you're not playing here because I can't play anymore. And if I <laughs> can't play anymore, test. I'll be damned if I'm going to put you on the field and be worse than me. But I still remember those guys, Garvin Graves. Yeah. God, do you remember Garvin? Yeah, he was yeah. a good football player. Yeah. Um, and I think we there had that was, quarterback from NC State. I can't remember his name. There was there's so much talent in that area, but I mean to not be able to really house anybody to you know the list. I was I think 25 when I started the league, so I didn't know what the hell I was doing either. God, and so wow. we had I started every team, and then I think Schwelling might have been our first <laughs> owner or second one. He might have been the the first sucker, I don't know, but, but. <laughs> we were talking. What great names! I mean, all the names. You know, I love sitting around with my kids and my wife. Like, what names really fit cities? Like, I love the Miami Heat. It's so relevant to Miami and the hot summer nights. And but I thought the Canton Legends and the and the logo and the eerie freeze were two of the best name combination lo- that I, I'd ever seen. I'd ever seen. It was it was great. I don't know if you remember this in eerie. 
they had a promotion with a hot tub company in the back end zone. <laughs> Esposito, man, he was nuts. Esposito, and we scored a touchdown, and Garvin Grays, because they had girls up there in bikinis, <laughs> Garvin Grays ran up and jumped in that hot tub, full uniform. Are you it serious? insane. <laughs> That is fun. Where did Graves play college at? Was he? Did he go California, to California, Pennsylvania? Pe- yeah. Okay. So he played then for me a couple of years later with Pittsburgh. Yes. The River Rats. Yeah. Garvin was great. He, Garvin, Garvin had that deep voice like this. Garvin talked real deep like, like that. Great guy, though, too. Great guy. Heck of a player, man. He was a good football player. So, so that I was mean, a good it, th- it, it got you experience, you know, out there as a head coach, though. And then. I mean, that's why you got hired down in Columbus, right? I mean, you know, people knew you within the league. I know Brian and I kind of got things started in Columbus, um, got it sold. And then, you know, there was some ownership in there. Um, But how did you, how did you get into that position there? Into Columbus. Like to Columbus or to where it is now? Both. Yeah. Tell us about the story of your trip to Columbus. I was standing on the practice field in, uh, in, in, no lie, Gibsonville, North Carolina, at the high school. <laughs> Not lying to you, Easton Guilford's in Gibsonville, North Carolina. And so I was coming off the practice field, man, and, and you know how parents are in high school football across the country, not just there. So don't take offense, you know, yeah. but everywhere. And it was one of those days, man. I'm walking off the field, you know, and we're out there, and I just got none of parents. I'm like, this is ridiculous, and. Jeff Gone has called me, said there's a job open in Columbus for an arena football team. And I said, he goes, I'm telling you to get the job. And I just looked around my where I was at at that time of my life in everything. And I'm like, this, this isn't my life. This isn't, this isn't my goal. And I left. I left really probably the next week. And I told you I got in the car and my GPS was going off because I thought it was Columbus, Ohio. I'd never, <laughs> I'd never been to Georgia. Um, you know, That's awesome. Oh, so uh, I even remember driving down. I rented a car. I get to Atlanta, big city lights. Atlanta, you know, you drive through eighty five. If you've never been to Atlanta at nighttime, you know, you're like, wow. I didn't realize how north Atlanta was in Georgia. So I get to Atlanta, and I'm looking around for Columbus. Okay, where, where's the exit? Where's the exit? And I saw a sign that said Columbus, like a hundred miles. I'm like, where the heck am I going? So. I get in like really, really, really late. And ironically, this, this is the theory. I miss the term. So Columbus is on the river of Phoenix City in Columbus. It's, it's a by city. And the Chattahoochee River is the border for Alabama, Georgia. Well, the Columbus exit is the last exit before you cross into Alabama, right? I miss the exit. I get off on Somerville Road, Alabama. I remember seeing a sign that said Sweet Home Alabama. I'm like, holy cow, I'm lost. I get off Somerville Road at 40th Street and had to make a U-turn to come back into Columbus. As this story progresses and I talk down the road, when I go to pick my wife up on the very first date, she lives on 40th Street on that Somerville Road exit. So I actually got off on the exit where I currently live right now. Wow. And I'm like, holy cow, how ironic is that? So I drove down, met Steve Steve and Wayne. They were they were young kids like all of us were at the time. A little wet behind the ears. I think Ob's older than everybody, and uh, <laughs> they're a little wet behind the ears. But um, it was just an opportunity. I, I figured, you know, the pay was horrendous, horrendous. It was horrendous. 
And that's why I have, you know, on, on a serious note, I have zero tolerance for people that that's could walk in and this kind of money right now without putting in the money. You know? Well, I mean, you made a lot of sacrifices to get to where you're at. And not only has the team been successful there, I mean, you've you've been the guy from day one. And that just doesn't happen at any professional level, let alone arena. I mean, you know, most teams don't make it 10 years, you know, well, and, we, and well, look, I coach mean, there more than that. We got, yeah, we got lucky. I mean, we, we ran the first year team. It was not successful. You know that. And I know that had ownership yep. problems. Those guys didn't know what they were doing. Um, at the end of the day, we met, I met Zach McDonald, Daytona, the Daytona beach thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Zach. No, no, not thunder. Uh, no. Yeah. Daytona Beach Thunder. Or Warbirds or Wart, no. They changed their name, but I think they started as the Thunder. So they might have changed it to Thunderbirds. Yeah, Zach owned the Daytona team. Yeah, Daytona Beach there. In in the uh so the next year is when we started. Oh, so I I, well, I'd spent that summer. I remember this. Dwayne and Roddy were out of the money, teams folding. He put the team up for sale. I remember he had the team up for sale for seventy five thousand. I'm like, I'm like, Roddy, we lost a bunch of money. What are you selling? He's like, I'm selling the turf. That yeah, turf's coming with it. So Roddy, the turf, the the turf. I said, I say, oh. turf. You don't own it. <laughs> well, well, you wouldn't have to buy turf if you bought this team. So I'm adding that to the value. So they were trying to sell the team. Almost had a buyer too here in Columbus. So at the meantime, I'm packing my bags, man. My wife's gonna kill me if I say this. But I'm packing my bags. She she almost pretty much dumped me um, for whatever reasons, but, you know, and so she's going to get mad. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to North Carolina. I'm out of here. Luckily, the best thing all worked out for her. That's what really kept me here. You know, um, thank God for her, her and me being a good sales guy, talking her into sticking with me. So she she decided to stick with me, and – I said, I'm going to make this team work. So I called Zach McDonald and I said, look, they're, they're trying to sell this team. They were behind three payments on their arena lease. So the arena put them in, um, what's it like void or, or, or yeah. canceled their deal. Default. default. So the arena put them in default. And so they were trying to sell the team. I came up here with Zach McDonald. He came up here and I remember sitting in the lobby of the arena. He walked in, plopped down the money. We signed the lease. He said, what do you want to call the team? We came up with a name and then Roddy never sold the team. And he said, you guys can't play there. You can't have the, you know, the team here. I said, yeah, we can. Cause you don't have the lease for the arena. We do. You can keep the Chattahoochee Valley Vipers. They're yours. <laughs> and that's how it went down. So uh, funny name with the word lions. We didn't know what to call the team. We sat around, we were going to call it, you know, we were researching the city. You know, of course they had the Columbus war dogs and we were trying to figure out what do we call it? What do we call it? Uh, you know, because the Cottonmouths were huge hockey. That's where we came up with yeah, the, the hockey yeah. with the Vipers. But so we were like, what do we call it? Do we call it the the Rangers? No, we don't want to isolate it just to Fort Benning. You know, we call it the textiles. You know, the you know all the things that Columbus is famous for, which is a lot of history, man. I mean, there's a lot of things in Columbus that that people don't you know home to Coca Cola, home to Aflac, uh, Tesis, total all these major companies, and so. We didn't know what to do. So somebody said, what do we, how about bringing the pride back? We're going to, we're going to put a team here that's going to bring the pride back. And 
Somebody said, yeah, but you know, there was a, a women's softball team called the Columbus Pride. We're like, we don't want to call it that. <laughs> That's like the, it's so hard sometimes to come up with like. Names. Right so name. at the end of the day, we came up with the word Lions for two reasons. One, the arena's seats were blue. And I wanted the team name to look like the arena was built for us. And the okay. second thing is we were trying to work around pride, animals. Where I said, you know what? We just got frustrated and got tired of talking. Stay on the Lions. And we'll go blue and silver. It'll match the seats in the arena. And it'll look like a home place. I said, okay, done. And that's what we did. I mean, it doesn't really fit. There's no Lions in Columbus. Um, it's, I always like hearing how people come up with the names. That, that's pretty cool. You know, as like, hey, I don't want to be a women's softball team here in Columbus, Georgia. And everything was, I think it was the, you know, now they got the River Dragons and they had uh, the Cottonmouths and the Vipers. I'm like, all these snakes. And I'll be honest, I've never seen, I've lived here 15 years. I've really, I think I've seen maybe one or two snakes. So I don't know. I don't know. The Chattanooga River either. probably drowned. I'm not messing with those snakes. Hell no. But everything was dragons and snakes. Oh my, you know, who knows? I was like, well, let's just go with the wings or something. Uh, it all over again would I name it something else I don't know maybe but it was short it was easy branding it was good colors for the arena it matched then you know now you there you go I mean now I mean the Utah jazz the word jazz has nothing to do with Utah that was originally the New Orleans jazz so yep. whatever so how about you know throughout that time so 2006 basically you were coaching with the Vipers then in seven, it, it, you guys switch over to the Lions. On the field, you know, how did you guys do? You know, throughout uh, that, that, that was time, the first, I mean, were you guys? That was the first year the WIFL. You know, we went to the championship. We had the best team in the league, and we lost in the championship game to Augusta. Yeah, Augusta hell of a season. By the way, great name. Um, wait, yeah, uh, yeah, it was the Augusta Spartans. Um, or no, 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 the first year, didn't the Rome team win it? The Rome Renegades, or well, that was Rome, the Rome. No, won, Rome won the year in the in the in your league, the, the Chattahoochee Valley Vipers. I'm sorry. Yeah, Rome <laughs> lost to Canton in yep. 2006. Yeah, so 2007 with the Lions, it was Lions, Osceola Ghost Riders. It was yep. Augusta Spartans. It was Daytona. Uh, Daytona Beach. It was only four of us, and we played everybody like four times. Uh, okay, but we lost to Augusta. And we had beaten Augusta all year long, man. I tell you, I'm cursed. It's funny. We, I lost three. I lost two championship games and two conference finals off of center quarterback exchange or a pick on the last drive going in the score. So we lost to Augusta. I remember it was 62 to 60. We had the ball on the 15 yard line. Joey Conrad was my quarterback. And um, it was. 62-60, third down. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot. If not, I'm going to kick it. We had the best kicker in the league. And I'm going to take a shot in the end zone. And God dang it, we threw a pick, man. All we had, I mean, threw a pick. I'm like, I'm cursed. So Augusta won the game. They had good players, though. It was fun. But I think Bubba was the coach. Bubba, Bubba Diggs. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, Bubba Diggs. <laughs> no, that was – I mean, there was some some good play. I mean, it, I think the challenge has been – I don't know. I love the game of arena. I love indoor. Like I, I, I love it. I'm the sorry. Business I'm of it. 
What's I'm that? thinking about I'm thinking about Augusta. We went and watched Augusta. We had a bye week. We went and watched Augusta. They had a halftime show, and all the cheerleaders were out there in these gypsy outfits. It was like a twenty. It's like a twenty minute halftime dance. And so I think of like, you know, you're bringing back all these memories, and I'm thinking of it was like a circus act, man. It was insane. I mean, that's that's the the challenge now is, I think it's too focused on football and obviously it's arena football. So it it should be somewhat right. But I think a lot of people are losing, you know, the concept of it's still a business and you have to market, you have to, you have to, you know, create a demand. People, people aren't just going to show up and with technology and with every other option that we have, it's harder to sell tickets now than ever. I mean, at every level, you look at the NFL, you look at NBA, there's still you look at people at stoplights that can't for three seconds at a stoplight driving their car and not get on their phone on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that's how short our attention. Hey, I'm guilty. I've been on my phone while we've been doing this show. So (laughs) see how boring I am. That's what I've been trying to tell everybody. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But I I think I think you gotta have that good marriage between business and football. And I think just from like talking to you even more recently it's like you get it from the business standpoint you're a coach but you're also business and a lot of times the the coaches are all about you know the product and it's the product 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 which is good they need to be but you need to have that good combination i think you have that there in columbus which is why i think one of the reasons why you've been able to to have that longevity there is you, you get we have, it. But, but I, I got to tell you right now, if I, if you know, without Kiki Seda, Skip Seda, John Hargrove, Keith, you know, Ford, those guys are related to me, right? Yeah. Skip. Duke and Jan Libertori. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, those guys, they, they, these people put their life savings, you know, they put their life savings into this team to keep it afloat. And there's a lot of years we lost money and they kept it going because they believed in the product but, and more importantly, in our community. And, and they know they believed in me. It's the biggest compliment I ever have. And to be honest with you, I had, offer, I had offers every year, man. I could have went coaching Tampa one year. I could have went coach other teams and I never left. I never left because I believe in the loyalty and I believe in what, what those guys did for me. Um, just, Unbelievable people, unbelievable people in our community, um, you know, and that Rick Jacobson now, but now and then the ownership has transitioned into Josh Blair and Mike Hall and, you know, Newsmith uh, um, and Dr. Jay Patel. And again, what that does is it's the people in Columbus. I just can't say enough about them. I don't know if the market's that great. You know, if I, if I get in trouble for it, it is, what, you know, the, the attendance doesn't lie. The numbers don't lie. Um, um, but there's good businesses in town. And there's good people that that live in this area. They're just that's what's kept me here. It's the people. And that's why I feel an obligation to stay here. And I felt like we built a pretty good machine. We've had some ups and downs, but for the most part, we've won games. We've always tried to put on a professional product and um, have good players here. But at the end of the day, it's been a and I always say this. It's a it's a giant wave that we built. And I tell you what, man, I don't know how to surf, Sarah, if you're watching, because you didn't let me take those surfing lessons when we went to Hawaii. And I'm never going to let you do that. <laughs> but but um, I'm going to ride this wave, man, until it hits the shore. 
all the way. I ride or die. I ride or die with my owners. I ride or die with this with this community. Um, I hope they feel the same way about me. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe they say it's my face, but um, <laughs> nah, they you know, definitely just, do, man. I, just, I mean, it's just a good spot, man. And I'm so lucky to be here 15 years and to still be able to wear this stuff. You know. Yeah, you don't have to change polos all the time. You know, you got the you don't have to cover your tattoo up. You yeah. know, <laughs> the players are like, players are like, Coach, where you get all that gear from? I'm like, dude, I've been there 15 years. I mean, <laughs> my whole closet looks like a smurf. You know, we get Nike. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if I got anything, it's got a Lions logo on it. Holy cow. And uh, but it's fun though, you know. I mean, yeah. I really don't have anything other in my closet than Lions gear. And now the high school gear that I wear at Glenwood. It's it's orange and green or it's blue and blue and black. So or blue so and like can you like when you go out, do people are people like, oh, there's you know, Jason Gibson, the coach of the team? Oh yeah, they say that because they know I'm gonna ask them for sponsorship. So they run. <laughs> <laughs> there's Jason Gibson. You gonna ask us for sponsorship. So no, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like anybody else in Columbus, a small town. You know, we try to do whatever, but you know, just like boom boom from hockey, everybody knows boom boom, and everybody knows. You know, Bear O'Brien, it goes like that. I tell you what I get the most of. We were at, I was at Publix, and I get this a lot, but I just shaved my beard, so it's not as bad as it was. But, um, you know, I had to look good for the Andrew Haynes show. Um, yeah, of course. Come on. <laughs> I didn't shave. Yeah, but uh, um, I was at the Publix, and I'm sitting there getting, uh, you know, whatever food and stuff. And then there's these two high school kids at the register, and they're going, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the kid goes up, uh, excuse me, sir, but are you? And I went, yeah, I'm the coach for the Lions. They said, no, are you Jason Statham? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or a dig. Well, because we're both bald and have a beard. And I said, do I get a discount on my groceries? They're like, no. I said, no, I'm not him. So, But I get that all the time. I get that more in Columbus than more so. Uh, the Lions coach, but so what's kind of on the horizons for the Lions? Are you guys, you know, doing anything different going into next season? Are you, you know, any new plans from you know the business side outside of? Well, me and you have talked off off camera a lot lately, um, and it's been fun because you know, got the same passion I do. I think this is an extremely vital year for the Lions. This is our fifteenth season, and I think that we have to do a total rebranding of. We do a good job with the fan experience. I mean, we've done some things in the past, man, that that I think no other arenas can match. I mean, granted, with the you know, you got your Albany's and your and your um, Jacksonville's, which is a great atmosphere. I love playing there, and now Orlando's and stuff. But we've done some cool things. We've got a great fan base in Columbus, and for a while there, it was hard to win. It was hard to win in Columbus. But I think we got to do a rebranding with our fan experience. We have to do something that when people come to the game, which they do. No one's ever left an arena game, in my opinion, and said, I want my money back. That was terrible. Most people say, damn, I didn't know they were playing. Yeah. You know the feeling. You've been there. But I just want to see us rebrand. I want to see us. We hired somebody from the Atlanta Hawks that handles game day operations and game day uh, fan experiences, and he's really, really good. And I want to get back and focus on the experience. I mean, I, I tell you we had a conversation one day in an owner's meeting. We just won the championship. I can't remember. Maybe it was 2010 or 2015. And I asked the owners, I said, would you guys rather go 16-0, win a championship, and lose 75 to 100,000, or go you know, 8-8 eight and eight 
and make fifty. He goes, I'll take four and seven and make a hundred. <laughs> I I always say that too. I like that's how I am until you get into the season, and then I get in ultra competitive mode, and then yeah, it's like okay, I then I need to go find this player. I need to. <laughs> But you, you got to make it entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tell players. And I got players come out hey, I need you to pay me this. I need you to pay me that. I'm like, look in the stands. I got this from somebody else. I stole this from somebody else. I said, look in the stands and see how many people are here. That's how many people value your skill set right now. <laughs> and then that's a that's that's a ugly ugly way to say it. Okay, yeah. but people go watch NFL games not because they want to see football. They want to see Tom Brady, man. They want to see Lamar Jackson. You know, if you got a game and and the New York Jets are coming to play the Falcons, ain't nobody gonna go to that game. You know, no, nope. that's the game to give the tickets away. But that's what we have to do in Columbus, and I have to rebrand that and figure out a great fan experience. And 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 you've got some great ideas that I can't wait. You know, we're gonna employ and these you know these podcasts are getting the word out there. And I think fans have so much access now with with social media and so much access with technology. We have to entertain them, and the football game itself is not enough. I think the, the good thing about all the technology now is you can engage and entertain year-round now. Yeah. And even even if your players aren't in market, there's opportunities for stuff like this. I'm in Orlando. You're up in Columbus. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can be done. And, you know, I think, you know, as we were talking about, is trying to make it more of year-round content. You know, obviously the right. games are, are when they are, but there is so much opportunity out there right well, now. With, I think with what happens is, I mean, just like we're doing on the show now, obviously, you know, I think I'm boring, but. um, but There's still, two people watching. I mean, your yeah. wife and Brian Schwelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, but the thing about it is, is as you look at it, as you start telling stories of people, I mean, you sat here and we've had, you know, conversations of, you know, you and Canton and people don't know about that, you know, and, um, this the history of everybody. That's why people watch your, and I'm guilty of it with my wife. That's why people watch all these home shows and, and non-actors because you get an insight of who they are personally. And all of a sudden you feel like real. Maybe, maybe there's something that I said or something that you said that forms a connection with somebody. People feel like they start to know you when they start to know you, they want to hear what you have to say and what you're going to do next. And, um, you know, we want to be able to. I think what you're doing right now is great. It 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 builds storylines of who our players are, who our league is. You know, like you said, nobody knew how the Lions got their name. You know, <laughs> I did. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool stuff. Nobody knew that I stayed in Columbus because of my wife. I mean, I would have left in a heartbeat. You know, she's so hot. I was like, I'm not leaving this Alabama chick behind. And, and it's just amazing how your whole storyline changes because of those stories. And so it's going to be interesting as the NAL season progresses stories about Albany and the history or players, or, you know, you start learning things and people get, you know, people get the back story. I mean, that's what, you know, the hard knocks are popular. People want to see behind the scenes stuff. People want to see, you know, all those documentaries. And so I'm, I'm just thankful you're doing the show. I hate that you had to start off with my boring butt, but, um, it's fun and it's and it's laid back and it's not so you know I do a coach's show that you gotta prim and proper and wear the suit and you gotta do all that. Uh, this, this definitely we want to be like we want it to be laid back. You and I we're just talking. We're we're 
we got war stories, right? Let's oh, let's well, share those. We got I mean, war stories, man. We we got. I, I have enough stories to write a book, um, a couple books. Some of the stuff I probably can't publish, but uh, a lot we can, and that's what's that's what's cool about this. And just, I mean, I'm excited. Curious, to how many times in the years you've been doing this? How many times have you gotten a phone call on a Wednesday or Thursday from somebody saying, "Hey, we're not playing, and we're scrambling trying to find a team"? Or, oh, wow. I it's it's so frustrating and I'll, I'll be honest though I will take I take part of the blame for indoor football kind of going down and I do because when I was league president I was aggressively expanding and my thought process was I'll start the team I know how to, you know, I, I feel like I'm a good startup. I can get things started up, get it going, get the marketing going, get the, the cash coming, and then find a buyer. Well, that concept is good if I have a lot of money as a backup, which I don't, or right. I can find the proper ownership. And so what happened, you know, back then was, you know, that second year we went from six teams, two of which were travel teams. Yep. Uh, to 16 teams and we were from New York to Florida and I I think I probably started half those teams and you know when you have a team struggle I ended up putting personal money in to try to save it like behind the scenes people don't see it but it's like you try to do that and then before you know it you just pissed away a few hundred thousand and and then you still look bad and it's like you know that's I mean that's what happened in Raleigh you know we took it over as the league you know, in 60 days, we, we dropped over a hundred thousand like that. And, um, you know, it definitely drains you, but had we had more funded ownership and not to take away from guys like, you know, some of the guys that, that were in that field, cause they were good people. They just like me went in over our head, the way that you guys have the structure in, in Columbus is exactly what, you know, like Michael Taylor, you know, Michael from, from the Tarpons and stuff and, and, and yeah. Richmond back in the day. I mean, he knew, I, if I'm not mistaken from the outsider, but having a conversation with Michael, he knew what his limitations were. And, and, and yeah. for the most part, I don't think he ever really stepped outside of them. And when it got nope. to the point where it was going to be more than what he could do, Hey, I'm done. I'm not doing it. And, you know, I respect yeah. Michael for that. So, yeah, no. And we always talk about like, you know, what you guys have is, you know, a nice size group. So it's not a burden for one person, you know, yeah, as a, a single owner, you have a single owner and you lose a hundred grand. It, it hurts. If you have 10 people or five people, you know, okay. I can lose 10 to 25 grand a year and not die. You know? Well, so I mean, I looking back on it, God, this is really cool that we're bringing these back up, but looking back on what you started back in 06, there's so many guys that need a shot. And, the product on the field is not the players, or then it was not the players. No. I think it was the product itself. And if we, if we had, you know, God, what I'd love to still, I, if we had done it right to where the Canton legends were still playing, I all know. of a sudden now you've got that such solid fan base. The problem is, I think, everybody wants to say they're the best league or the best team. Yeah. But you can go aside. Who cares? The only thing that really matters is how much money you make it. You know, and, you know, I remember this and you'll laugh every year. Somebody says, oh, I got a TV deal. I got a TV deal. 
got yeah. TV, yo. Right. <laughs> I mean, How much is it going to cost me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, it's like you said, and you look back to when we were so young, if we could start all over again and, and, and slowly scale it up each year and then work on the fan experiences and really share those ideas. I, I, we may be going back a little bit right now to try to get back to that. That's what I think we're doing in Columbus right now. You know, we're cutting our budget back and we're focusing on our fans and focusing on, like you said, a, a good product, a professional product, but you can't spend NFL type money. It's just crazy. No, no. And I, NFL think, money. I think that, you know, now is a great opportunity though for, like yourself or me, you know, people who have been in it most of our adult lives, we've seen it all. I mean, I, I mean, there's not much that would shock me anymore in this business, but we could take that knowledge now and try to help the others and build it back up. I mean, when we first started, the players made $300 a game and we had two guys making 500 a game. I know Raleigh was probably a little different that first year, but I mean, that was more than AF2 at the time, and it's more than a lot of the leagues are now. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's just taking that hit. So I think if we can get people thinking, you know, more creatively, marketing, obviously you want to get the, the best talent you can. There's a lot of great talent out there. Um, but be within your means and, and spend. You know, you got to have some front office. You got you to market. You got to get creative. Um, you know, to build it up, but it's, it's such a great product that in all my years, I, I cannot remember someone telling me that they had a bad time. You know, it's weird. It's like, if I have a weekend off or a bye week and there's a college game here or there, I'm just going to stay home and watch it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm just not really into going to watch another outdoor game for the most part. But I remember when we had bye weeks and there was a team in Albany, like the, the what I think the Albany Panthers or, yeah. Um, uh, whatever. I I just as a fan, I'm like, hey, I yeah. want to go watch the game tonight. We drove an hour and a half, watched the game, and drove an hour and a half back. I just enjoyed. I just enjoyed going to an arena game as a fan. I really do. And there's not a bad seat in the house. And so this isn't a promo for arena football for the uh, one person watching or two people watching. But um, it's just so much fun. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. What do you you know? You've been in a couple different leagues out there. You know throughout the years, what is it about the NAL like, you know, that you like and, Oh, there's the boss. Yeah. And you know, what, what kind of separates the NAL from, you know, any of the other leagues out there right now? Yeah, oh, man, you know, everybody's going to, you know, bash what I'm going to say, but um, the league doesn't make, doesn't dictate, how good the league is. The teams dictate how good the league is. I think the mistake that I've seen in leagues over the years is the leagues try to succeed. They drain the teams for money, you know, um, and then the teams fold. And if you don't have any teams, there's no league. <laughs> you got to have teams. And so I think what the NAL does a good job of is they have good ownership and the owners, they owners have each other's backs. I thought that was two things I've noticed really well. NAL does that. And the PIFL had the, 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 the four years with the PIFL was really good. They had really good owners. I remember Jeff Knight, Frazier, mm -hmm. our ownership group at the time. They were all in it together, you know, um, and that's what the NAL does. You know, is it is one product better than another? 
you know, if you're sitting there saying that, and I'm, I ain't going to lie to you, I'm talking about the CIF. I'm talking about the IFL. I'm talking about the NAL. Don't sit there and tell me your product's better than our product. Do the fans know? The fans don't know. Don't tell me. The only, only people that really know the difference, that really care or sit there and try to brag about it, are the dudes that sit in their basement in pajamas on their mom's computer. Okay? They don't even buy tickets anyway. All these little, you no. know, all these, all these social media guys that – that sit around and know everything because they heard something and they want to be an insider and all that stuff. And that's fine. It's good for the sport and I get it. But at the end of the day, what makes good leagues is the ownership groups and how they interact with each other. You know, if you got owners out there trying to stab each other in the back, it's not going to last. If you got owners out there, you know, sitting in a meeting talking about, you know, I'm not doing this and I'm doing that, but you turn around and you're paying guys, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred a game just to win. You're not doing anybody favors. At the end of the day, and you know this, all these teams that overpay, they always fold in the end. San it's Jose. Like, like, I mean, let's win them. and shut down. I've seen that happen. I don't know how many times. You, you know, because they're just th- that's all they care about is winning, and then everything else gets neglected. Who wants to win a championship in front of 500 fans? You know, you want that arena packed. You want that atmosphere. The, the simplest way I put it is this, and I tell, you know, if we all put ourselves back in high school and it's Friday after school and you're like, where's everybody going? I'm not going to go to the party with five people. I'm going to go to the party that's packed, that all my friends are at. You know, that's where I want to go. And you know, Albany Panthers did that for a while. They had a great atmosphere down there in South Georgia because I remember talking to one of the guys. We'd go there, be 4,000, 5,000 people packed in that arena. And I remember talking to one of the guys there. He said, it's the thing to do. It's the party. It wasn't necessarily the football, which is what me and you talk about. It was yep. the atmosphere and the party. And I'm going because that's where everybody else is going. Not necessarily, oh, my gosh, did you see that pogo route? They ran out of trips on third down. They don't care. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't. Most so, people don't know any of that anyway. Yeah. So how do I create the best? How do I create? So if we got a 14-game schedule. Seven home games. How do I create the seven best block parties that Columbus can throw? I don't have the answer because if I did, you know, we'd be even more successful. But I'm, I'm trying to learn the answer and I'm willing to find out. And I think when you look at, at different leagues, back to your question, you look at an Arizona Rattlers. Is the, is the IFL great because they're playing IFL rules? No. Arizona's got a great fan base and they do a great job. That's why. Arizona's going to be great no matter what league they're in because of the attendance and the fan base. Same thing with Jacksonville. And as you look across teams across the country that have a great, exciting product, they They make create that demand. Yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. And so um I I I loved Raleigh's setup. I really wish the team I I love arena. I just did. I thought it had a mystique about it. It did with Um, the glass, it has those glass walls and no AC and (laughs) um I loved it, man. I really did. And I, I, I hate that there's not a team there, but I think there's certain places that you got to build that mystique. You know, we had it for a while there in Columbus. We lost it over the last two or three years. You know, we bumped up to the NAL and for a little bit of time there, the NAL tried to kind of maybe take over what the AFL was doing on a lower scale. And, and it cost us, man. It cost us. It cost well, us dearly. I think a big difference too is from when I, when I, was league president. I actually owned the league as well, which is yeah. kind of, you know, people don't like that. But, and what you said earlier is true is 
I the league was making money. Obviously, we were sinking it into you know teams that were 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 hurting, but like we had the revenue, um, the teams didn't, and it was kind of backwards. And you know, with the NAL, from what I understand, is the owners are more involved in that as far as you know when when a new team comes on, it's not. It's, it wouldn't be Andrew Haynes saying, "Yeah, they're in." It would. It's it's your executive committee or your your. Well, league, yeah, right? the owners all pitch in, and plus, you know, well, we got a small staff. I mean, Chris Siegfried's commissioner does a great job, but as far as the other duties, the accounting or expansion or whoever, you know, I'm not going to get into who does all what. All the owners step up and pitch in, you know. And there's not an owner in our league that you can't pick up the phone right now and call and have a legitimate, honest conversation. And I've had them with all of them. You know, hey, what are you doing? Hey, do you need help here? What do you kind of send you? I mean, I just I just enjoy being in business with those guys. Could we have joined another league or try to merge and do all this other crazy stuff just to say what? We got yeah, 30 I, teams. What does that do? Are you I mean, really? You know? But like you said, no, the fans, the, at the end of the day, the fans don't care. They want they want a good event when they come out they want the games to be good they don't want to they don't want to be playing these you know the the thing that i've i've frustrated to see is a lot of these like uh um non-league games which i used to be in favor of but you know just kind of cheapens the product a little bit because no matter how good they say they're going to be they they're never at the same level and you get those blowouts but um what do you think this is coming from nicole you know, what do you think are going to be the big differences between the AFL and the NAL? You know, obviously budgets, I think, are more owner-friendly in the NAL from an outsider. But um, what what differences do you have there? On the field, there's not. You know, to be honest with you, from a player standpoint, the last season of the AFL, I think it was last year, before they folded, they had 88 NAL players on their roster. Out of four teams. Yeah, the 88. I remember. I mean, all these guys have played in AF and, and played NAL players, and they were all good players. And so my thing is, let's take player A that played in the NAL for 300 bucks or 250 or whatever. Um, and all of a sudden, the next year, he's in the AFL making fifteen hundred. Now, I'm all for that. I think players don't make enough, and I'll be the first one to tell you. Um, I want them to support their families, and I, I'd love to pay them so much that they would love to come to Columbus every year. But so the player that's making three hundred dollars in the NAL in 2018, 2019 goes to the AFL, and he's making fifteen hundred. He's the same player. He isn't all of a sudden that much better. I thought the difference was. The NAL is scaling it back. You still have a good product on the field. I thought the AFL obviously has a bigger budget to market the teams and put on a more professional product um, overall. But also, I thought it was kind of wasteful. Um, so, I, I, in a lot of areas, I think the major difference could be maybe the size of the arenas. You know, one of the expenses is. You know, you look at a size of a Columbus arena, you know, seats 8,000 versus an Amway seats 50,000. And, you know, you look at the AFL teams with Philly and and Cleveland and those guys playing those massive arenas. That's kind of maybe the difference. And, and the size of staff, you know, you look at slot staff, you know, we're maybe, maybe four or five in the front office. And then we got a ton of interns, got great game day operations help, and a lot of people in the community that want to be involved. You look at an AFL staff, they got a head of marketing, head of groups, head of tickets, head of 
this, head of that, head of internet, head of this. And, you know, it's just a lot um, going on, but obviously, you know, she's had some um, experience with, with other teams. So, you know, that at the AF2 level, you got to have people that can really multitask. I'd love to get it back up to where it was, but until there's more money coming in, you can't just rely on tickets and sponsorships. Uh, until there's more money coming in, you can't expand those staffs. Yeah, I mean, I think you utilize the technology that you have now and then yeah. maximize and build. And, you know, I think a lot of the places, too, I think you I don't know how the climate is there, but I think it's it's fairly good throughout the whole season. But, you know, starting to do tailgate parties and I'm sure you guys already probably do, you know, tailgate parties and, and stuff like that. No, but, I mean, we try. We got a great tailgating group. Um, we'd like to get it bigger. But I know uh, Albany had a lot of success. I've heard a lot of great stories about the Empire with their pregame parties outside the arena. Um, they, very, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. I'm really interested in learning more about doing that and creating those atmospheres. I know uh, our new arena director, Robert Landers was the game day operations guy for the St. Louis battle wings in the XFL. And they had a, a really, really good um, thing there. So you know, I, I think getting that part, it cannot be drive up in the parking lot, get out of your car, walk in, Give them a ticket. Go sit in your seat, get a Coke, and watch football and go home, man. That, that is not enough. And I remember going to a Georgia Force game before they folded at Phillips. And from the time we got out of the car, Andrew, to the time we got in our seat, I was getting bombarded with information. I remember the dance team standing. As soon as you walked in the door, dance teams passing out pocket schedules, passing out programs, people selling merchandise and activities and inflatables and Frisbees. I mean, good God, it was a circus, man. Um, but – that was 10 years ago, and I still remember that. And my kids loved it. I remember driving up. There was inflatables outside, and my kids went nuts. You know, they thought they were at the carnival. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to turn into a carnival, but with the shortest tension span of people nowadays and so many things to do, you know, what can I do to entertain our fans from the second they get out of the car? And I don't trust me. I don't have all the answers at all. I, I, you know, But I, I enjoy learning it, and me and you get to talk about it all the time. Yeah, and I think that's cool too. Is just you know having the teams collaborate. You know what's work? What like find out from uh, Albany? You know what are they doing that they're drawing several thousand fans to their you know yeah. the block party? Basically, they shut the the street down. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think you know with with uh, the soccer league that I was in and and some of the others, that collaboration is what really can help drive that to the next level. I mean, we've got a, a, you know, you know, Casey Smith, Casey Smith came on as an owner with the Lions. Yep. And I think, and now we've talked before and I'm going to talk with him later again next week, but they did some good things with the Georgia rampage on game day, um, you know, at a, at a lower level budget, but I still thought it was some good things. And there's some rule changes. Like I enjoy, and I'm looking forward to league meetings, but I enjoy the XFL rule. I enjoy the one, two, three rule, you know, on the next point, you can go for one, go for two or go for three. Yeah. Um, it's just more exciting. One of the best games I ever went to was in Rome, Georgia against Richmond. Rome was down 10 points with with eight seconds left in the game. No, sorry. Richmond was down 10 points with eight seconds left. Any other sport, you're already in the car in the parking lot going home. You're done. Yeah. Richmond scored, went for two. Uh, Richmond scored, went for two. No, I'm sorry. They were down 11. Is that 11? No, they were down 10. Sorry. They went for two, score, scored, got the eight points, and on the kickoff, they kicked the deuce. Tied it with no time on the clock. Went into overtime, lost a coin toss. He kicked the deuce in overtime. They won by two. 
Wow. Crazy thing I've ever seen. And uh, but that's those are what's some, cool about the game. And those are some things You're never out. Seen. You know, our league do some crazy things like that. Uh, just to enhance the product a little bit. Um, we did some of that too in the X League a little bit with uh, um, the Dash, have, the X Dash. Then you have the points worth more in the last minute of the game. Yeah, we had a, a red ball that came in. It was good. I lost in the championship game, kind of like you. We're, we're at home in St. Louis, huge crowd. It was awesome. We're down, we're up, we're down. Fourth quarter. We stop them on fourth down. We get the ball back with like a minute left or less. We get down in inside the you know the ten run play. We put a DB in there to run run a sweep. Fumbles it on the goal line with thirty seven seconds left, and then they ran it back. And we had to move the champagne from locker room to locker room like three times. <laughs> but you know that's the that's the you know the fans they they had a great time. I want to ask you a couple couple quick things because um, I see so many teams doing them. Tryouts. How many tryouts do you typically do uh, per season? I don't know, maybe three or four, something like that. And because you kind of talked about it earlier about how you you know really want to make sure that you give these guys a legit look because there's some organizations out there that just do tryouts like – they're not even playing for two or three years, but they're doing tryouts now. Um, and it's good to see a coach like, look, you know, how many guys have you gotten from tryouts over the years, do you think? A, a guy or two a season? I mean, a lot. I mean, hell, Damon Daniels, he's the best damn football player I've ever seen in arena football. So, um, you know, I picked him up at a tryout first year here with the Vipers, and, and uh, I just signed a kid from Youngstown State. I mean, he was pretty good. He was pretty good lately. The last, the tryouts, you know, uh, Clayton Banner ran some great tryouts. I got to give Clayton credit, you know, of course, oh, yeah. Clayton passed, but Clayton was great finding talent and he was really good. I mean, we'd have some, we'd have some tryouts, man. There were some top tier players there. Holy cow. Um, the last couple tryouts, here's the deal, man. You never want to tell somebody's dream, you know, you never want to tell somebody they can't do it. And uh, being in all those tryouts as a player and, and being in, I've been in trials with 350 people as a player and sitting around all day long and things like that. So um, we, I'll probably have one or two more try to keep them private. You know, I don't try to go over 50 or 60 cause then you can't get a look. There's nothing worse than taking ID reps or one-on-one -on -one reps and you get two the whole day, you know, and you pay your money and then you don't get a look. You know, one thing that we've done that I took from Clayton, that I do now is, you know, you know, we, of course we charge guys for tryouts, but you know, if you make the team, you know, we refund that money on their first game check. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. I've never um, heard anybody do that before. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, when they, they make the, they make the squad and they make it through camp and that first game check, I refund their money. So we add it back to their check, you know, and I just signed a kid out of Ohio, a town, Darian Townsend, a wide receiver, which I typically don't sign a lot of receivers at training camps. And, um, but he just he he was just really 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 good, you know. And so we signed him. I'm excited about him, you know. Excited about him coming in. So it just depends on you know how you do it, how you do your tryouts, and are you really doing it for money makers? Or are you really doing it for legit? So I enjoy giving guys an opportunity because you just never know. But also, I ain't going out there. For free. I ain't going there for free because right. then you'd have a hundred teams out there, you know. Yeah. So. 
No, I think that's I think that's uh, big. So tell me this. So when I come to Columbus, what is the restaurant we're going to? Like, what is the spot in Columbus? Where 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 are you going to take a guest when they come in from out of town? I wish I could take it to my good buddy John John Gilbert at Golden Corral, man. I love that place. Golden love Corral, that. come on, man. I ain't going to Golden Corral. It doesn't matter, man. You got to support people that support you, but. Um, no, there's, there's, they, hey, got, look, there's, they got the chocolate, they got the chocolate fountain thing though. Yeah. Um, they, uh, there's so many good restaurants. I, I, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a good, a lot of good chefs in town. I mean, is Columbus a good a barbecue, a good barbecue area? Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many good, I don't want to step on any, anybody, but I, I love Mike and Ned's. I love Smokums. Um, uh, Chester's has got great barbecue down on Victor. Josh has Goodbergs, what's that? Oh, Mama Goldbergs, holy cow! Yeah, Mama Goldbergs is good, man. It started out in Auburn. They got a place in in Columbus. Uh, Mama's is good. They got a place called My Bella's, but I can't afford that place. That's a one time a year thing for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on, man. That's really they don't, good. They don't comp you. Oh no, anybody gonna comp? No, no. come on, man. No, no, that place is out. Sarah wants you to take her there this weekend, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish I could, man. That's they, they their steak is so good. You can just put the knife and it just cuts through. You don't even have to do anything. So what is your favorite arena to play on? Uh, like on the road, like what arena do you really look forward to going to in history or now? Uh, let's do both. Jacksonville. They do a great job. You got to give them credit. Orlando was actually pretty good. That last game of the season, you got to give them credit. They were awful. They were like two and thirteen or something. Yeah, it was. It was. It was loud. It was great. The fans are involved. That's crazy I mean, fans there. They do, man. Um, just really enjoyed that. That was good. Um, you know, definitely, definitely Jacksonville. I, I enjoyed that. In, in all of time, all the arenas. Woo, that's a lot, man. Uh, that's, that's that's a lot. I'm trying to think of them all. Um, God, I don't, I don't even know. Jack, Jack Jacksonville stands. All these Panthers had some great great fans. Their fans were really too. So they were they were fun. It was always fun to kind of go there. I did enjoy. I tell you what. I tell you what. I know right now. God, I don't know how I didn't think about this. Um, Monterey. That was one of the greatest experiences. They had some I, good I, turnout, I, right? There's 20,000 people there, man. Ole, 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 ole. I mean, they were going nuts, man, hollering Spanish. And um, it, it was phenomenal. It was just – it was a great game. The fans were great. The music – I felt like I was at a techno party, Andrew. I mean, they had music there, and it was like, mm, 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 <laughs> oh, game. They were screaming and hollering. I mean, they put and that facility was beautiful. Uh, arena in Monterey, man. They had a soccer I'll team never, there too. We used to go. I'll, I'll never forget that. Never forget that. That was great. You know, um, God, what a great time! I'd say them of all time. That one in Jacksonville, probably. Well, I could tell you. You know, uh, Michael Taylor was telling me one time when he he came up to your place, and he's like, "Man, these fans are just." You have some 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 passionate fans there too that just get on the visiting team. So yeah. I forget what they're called, but he was telling me he's like, man, they they were relentless the whole game. <laughs> it was good, man. It was good. It was good, good people, good times. That's good what time. I love about 
like the road. Like I love I love going in there and I love people to know that you're with the other team and and you get all that stuff um you know going and after the game is usually you know everybody wants to chat and it, it's it's really cool but um I'm looking forward to kind of getting back out there um yeah you know in the in the yeah. near future man. Well all right so we got we went through the arenas that um you won't tell me the best food place there. No, I mean there's just too many, man. I just so many. I mean, Bobella's, Black Cow, um, uh, Makata. Just go to the website. Uh, yeah, it's just there's there's so many good restaurants. Mike and Ned's, uh, Pine Mountain, man. My buddy Whistling Pig. Holy cow! What am I thinking? I, I I'm I'm really pit mad at myself right now. He's one of the first guys I met when I came here. Eddie Moore is such a first class guy. They are they're up there in Pine Mountain, up in Harris County, and. Uh, Great people, great food. Uh, that's that could be the best barbecue, man. I forgot about my buddy Eddie. So I don't know any of these places, but uh, I definitely will take. I like I, you know Samurai downtown, um, El Vaquero, Sapos, my guys over there. Uh, Alejandro was with with El Vaquero and, and those places. We had some great post game parties at that place. Holy cow! So. Hey, tell me more about your family too. I saw you had a little one uh, come in your arms there. You, one kid, three, three, four. She'd let me. You guys been busy in Columbus, man. Uh, I can't have four kids, man. I'd be like sixty-eight walking across the stage with my daughter. It'd be embarrassing. I'd be like that old dude. <laughs> like, hey, your grandpa's hey, here. That's your granddaddy? No, that's my dad. I don't want to embarrass people. So, so how old are the kids? Eleven, nine, and uh. Sarah's gonna mad at me. Maybe twelve, eleven, nine, and five. So. Nice. So the, the cool thing is, though, they're at the age where they, you know, they can enjoy it. You know, they come out. Do they like going to the games? Oh yeah, they all would. They when the schedule came out, they get to pick which road trips, and they split them up. You know, I got a chance. I was really lucky last year. I got a chance. Uh, um, Jet got to go with me to New York and fly to New York. He'd never been on a plane never been New York City and you know I got to go up there and play there and you got to get in a cab and go in the subway we went to the Empire State and all that stuff so we get to do that and then, of course Gunner went with me to Maine we got to go to Portland you know and get some bisque and lobster and all that stuff so they get to split the games up and who gets to go where and they you know to kind of do that so that's fun and I've always enjoyed that and you know my father-in-law is one of my biggest fans and Jerome and, and he goes he's like my traveling partner man and he goes to every game with me oh, so that man. was always fun um, so yeah, they get into it. They love it when they, as soon as they hear we got lines tryouts or practice at Garrett Harrison stadium, they are like, can we go? Can we go? Um, so no, I, I was looking back, you know, like Facebook's got those like, you know, memories things. And, you know, my kids, you know, I got started young. I'm, I'm 42. First kid was at 18. She's, she's, she's 23. So she lives, she's out on her own in Tampa. Um, and then, you know, my son, who basically just has been in it his whole life. He he's turned 17 this month and he's like, you know, six foot, almost six one, you Jeez. know, just going to be a monster. But um, you look back at the memories that like people don't really, you know, see that side of it, but like, you know, just like the family time and the time you get to spend with your kids on those trips, those kids are going to remember that stuff well, forever. Yeah. I mean, I talked with Casey, you know, wh you know, why were you going to come on board and, and, and get part of the ownership group? And he said, when he owned the rampage, his kids were too young to enjoy it. Yep. And I'm excited for him to be able to come down and let his kids get involved. And, you know, Gunner gets to bring his kids 
or bring not bring his kids. Jeez, you better not have kids. Um, you know, bring his friends and and things like that, and they get to share it. And so, I've been really lucky to be able to be here and share it because there's so many football coaches. You know, and even Chris, Chris Siegfried will tell you. You know, you got to give kudos to him and how strong his family is. But you know, some of these guys are you know gypsy coaches, and they they're gone six seven months out of the year across the country, and they you know then they come back home and. And they mess their lifestyle for 20 years. And that's that's hard on a family structure. And I've been really lucky. My kids get to enjoy it and, and I get to enjoy them. And so for me, chasing the, the dollar or chasing other jobs or whatever people may perceive, which I don't really care, um, doesn't outweigh the fact that I get to drop my kids off at school every day. I get to come home and play Fortnite, you know, which is what I'm going to do when I get off this thing. Play Fortnite? We got to play sometime, man. I'm terrible. I am, <laughs> I am, hey, I'm my, the best my oldest son's player. really good. He's got like hundreds and hundreds of victories. I've got like three. <laughs> and so when I ask him to play, he's like, oh, all right. You know, it's like it's like a chore. <laughs> no, so, it's uh, I'm called the old head. They they call me old head. Um, I'm so bad. I can't build. I can't no, build the walls. Dude, I can't either. Dude, what? I cannot believe this. I've met somebody else that sucks as bad as me. Yeah, I here's yeah. what I do, honestly. <laughs> when I first um when the, the bus is going, I don't parachute out until it makes me. And then as soon as I do, I put my parachute up. Okay. And then by the time I hit the ground, half the people are dead. That's a good idea. Yeah. And I'm then I hide. And then I, I, I typically, I am probably 30% at least in the top five finishes. My kids hate when I do that because they're like, they're boring. So, no, but I, I get to play with my kids, man. They get to go to tryouts. We get to watch football, you know. That's what it's about, man. I, I mean, I think. On, on Mondays and Thursdays and watch football and we fall asleep on the couch. That's a big deal. And so it may not seem like a lot right now to maybe to them and all, but I don't get those memories if I'm coaching, you know. Coaching here, coaching there, chasing all it's just not a big deal. I've never the desire to be a football gypsy and have 15 different yep. jobs on my resume. It just doesn't yeah. matter. And it it wears you out. I mean, I did it and but I moved my family every time because I didn't want to have that, you know, separation. And um it was rough on them. I mean, they made a lot of sacrifices for me, you know, especially Leah, you know. The fact that she hasn't murdered me already or, uh, you know, <laughs> left is amazing. You know, we got married at 18, you know, so I've been married 23 years. So, um, yeah. and she worked in it. So, but no, I mean, I think uh, it's, it's such a great game. It's such a great thing overall with the relationships. And as I get older, I appreciate all those things more. So I'm in a stage now where I just, I want to help. I want to help people. You know, I want to help people without expecting anything back in return. And well, I mean, you know, I, just, I don't know. I mean, you know, so much going on. It's just it's it's fun that the Lions can allow people to be able to share things. I mean, it's not always done right. We don't always do things right. Trust me, you know, but you do the best you can and people get to share it and have fun with it. And it gives them something to do. It gives them a chance to kind of break away. And there's just been a lot of really great people over the years that you've met. And you're thankful for those relationships. And, you know, and so, you know, it's just fun. It's just fun. Last thing. Oh, God. No, I'm good. I was going to say, last thing to just, you know, 
end with is just think about the memories that you have helped create for thousands of people, not just in Columbus, but everywhere that we we've all played and, and, right. you know, competed and you've been in there for, you know, 15 years. Well, think about this. Some of those kids now are probably starting to get into their twenties. Maybe, uh, maybe, even you know, somebody who was a teenager is now got their own family and they remember when they went as a kid, you know, to the Lions games, you're going to start seeing that, like, you know, people remember that and they want to experience those things with their kids now. Yep. Cause now we're old. Now you're we're right. old. You're old. I'm still young. Right. I mean, there's kids. We had a, we had a, we had an NFL, we have a youth flag league or we had a tackle league way back in the day too. And we wound up uh, at the high school I was at, we wound up picking up some kids that actually played in that youth league and they wind up coming through the high school and it turned out to be, you know, so it's just fun to see the cycle and um, and watch it go all up. So you're thankful for that, and I'm, I'm excited. So, but yeah, I got to get going. I gotta, I gotta yeah, go watch. It. That guy's waiting on me because I gotta go watch the mass singer. I'm not gonna lie. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen. Uh, comment. Let us know what you think. You know, this was the first show. If you guys like it, we'll keep we'll keep coming back. But Jason, thanks for. Uh, BSing with me here for the last hour and a half. It was really yeah, cool. Yeah, I know it went a little years. long, man, but God, some good stuff. We think all the way back to when we started. So, <laughs> yep. All right, man. Well, we'll talk soon. Talk to you later. Yeah, man.